So in this week's episode of Telephone Selling with Integrity, I have the privilege, the honor of interviewing Sarah Leff. Sarah is one of the most wonderful people I've met in my career, but also she runs and she's a director of one of the busiest contact centers I've ever worked with. So quite frankly, what she doesn't know about life in the contact center probably isn't worth knowing. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode and really listening to Sarah's wise words and, and a little bit about her life as well. Welcome Sarah Leff from Interact CC. Um, Sarah and I, we've been, well, we've known each other for 12, 13 years now. Long time. <laughs> long, long time. So, um, and in fact, you know, Interact were my, well, wasn't Interact then, it was BPS, wasn't it? Yeah. So you were my first ever client when I set up Gary Morgan Coaching. So you've been incredibly loyal to me and um, I thank you for that. And it's a real privilege for me to, to have you on this episode um, of this podcast. So I guess really just tell us a little bit about you, Sarah, first of all, and, you know, your background. How did you get into the contact centre world? And you're now a director in one of the most, you know, crazy busy contact centres that I work <laughs> with. So how did it all start for you? You know, I can, you know, maybe take us back to, to South Africa because that's oh where, where home, their home is. I know we haven't got huge amounts of time, but we've got kind of half an hour, 45 minutes, <laughs> you know, let's kick back the heels and just chat. So, so talk to us about that then. So coming from South Africa and into the contact centre world, I guess. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I studied fine art and art history at university in South Africa and came over with the dream of working in one of the big art galleries um, in London, not realizing that they generally just give you work where you, they, you don't get paid for your first year. <laughs> um, realized very quickly that I wasn't going to survive off of um, no salary. <laughs> Mm, sure. um, so I started looking for work and uh, just one day got a request from a recruitment agency to go into a call center in Wimbledon where uh, I interviewed for a sales position. Um, it was very different to the way things are run these days. It was uh, a pretty hardcore outbound sales campaign, a lot of targets, a lot of pressure, um, and you had to learn very quickly um, how to get your sales in, otherwise you are out type situation. <laughs> <laughs> very, very old school. Um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, my first sort of break off of the phones was when I was uh, I was uh, offered a position as a team manager because I speak a little bit of French and uh, they were running a French uh, slash multilingual campaign and need someone who could speak a little bit of French. So it had nothing to do with my credentials, <laughs> other than my ability to speak a little bit of French. But uh, that was my first team managing role. Um, and from there, I was given more and more responsibility. 
Uh, I was really lucky in that uh, I was given a lot of opportunity to work within different departments. So I worked, uh, I started once I'd finished team management, then I went into training, uh, then into account management and then operations management. Uh, so I got a really well-rounded understanding of how the yeah. business works uh, and how to run different parts of the business, I suppose. Um, and at that point, I was very lucky to meet you, Gary. And um, <laughs> bless you, yeah. <laughs> I think one of the, I think a combination of being trained by someone who's really, really keen for people to develop and grow, like you, like you do, uh, along with having managers who really believed in me and were very keen to see me develop and grow, uh, meant that I was just able to grow with the business. So. Uh, when my MD uh, sold up shop and moved on, uh, he asked me to join him. So I worked as a consultant with uh, within another business because I didn't want to break my non-compete. So I worked with him for good, a year. Good for you. Nice <laughs> ethics there. Good ethics yeah. as always from you, Sarah. Uh, so I worked within a data a business uh, that generates a lot of data for call centers. So it was also a really interesting thing to get involved with and start to understand how you can generate additional leads and growth for businesses. Um, and then after my year was up, I started Interact with our MD, uh, who's now the chairman of the board, Neil. Um, and yeah, it started just myself and a few other agents sitting in a little rented serviced office <laughs> and has now grown to... Yeah, I think we have about 200 or so here in Richmond, another four, 450 in Wigan. Wow. And that's <laughs> that's not including the remote workers that you now have as well, right? I mean, you know. Yeah, well, that fluctuates a lot, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> but yeah. yes, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah, it's good. That's great. It's fun. So it sounds like, so you didn't clearly, you know, from the whole art background and, and speaking French and all of that sort of stuff, it, it sounds like you didn't really, I guess like many Many people, they don't really look at going into con the contact center world as a career move. Very often it's a it's a stopgap. It's a way to make a bit of money, whether you're studying or you're between jobs. But you've actually made it to to be something that has been your life's work, really. You know, your career has just gone from strength to strength. And I've and I'm so privileged and blessed that I've actually seen that journey with you, you know, from seeing you as that team leader, that team manager, you know, all those years ago, like 13, 12, 13 years ago to now how you so successfully um, run as a director of Interact. It's just an incredible journey that you've been on. But what would you say to people then that, that are kind of thinking of or in the, they're in the contact centre world now? There may be agents on the phone or they may be a team manager or leader. You know, what, what would you say is the is the benefit, you know, to you? What are the benefits that you've got from working and running a, a contact centre? Um, I think so. I'm lucky that we work in a BPO environment. So I have exposure to lots of different clients and lots of different brands who all operate differently and uh, have very different processes and ways of um, dealing with their customers. So it's just fascinating learning about all these different businesses, I think. And that's mm. one thing that I've really enjoyed. Um, but the other thing, I suppose, which comes from having phenomenal managers when I started off and phenomenal trainers um, is 
developing my skill, but also developing the people around me. Um, there's something really gratifying about seeing people who don't necessarily have a huge amount of uh, confidence and really building up their confidence, building up their level of skill, giving them more responsibility over time so that they grow into amazing managers like myself, really. Um, and I think in contact centers, you get such a varied group of people working for you you know like I have people who've come from theater backgrounds or uh, you know it's people who were studying to be doctors or like all sorts of people you know and they they might see it as a stopgap and that's fine I, I accept that for some it will be um, a lot of them are looking for that next step in their career and I think the call centers can or contact centers can very easily help you get there if you work in the right environment yeah and I and I and again, you know, you really are passionate about developing people. You know, you I, I see how much time you and your colleagues, um, certainly your management team, how much time you put into developing, you know, each other, but also yeah. the the agents as well. And and thinking about the agents, it'd probably be good just for our listeners to to just know what kind of campaigns do you have in terms of the telephone work that you do. What kind of campaigns do you typically have there at Interact, Sarah? Oh, wow, it's so varied. Um, <laughs> I mean, we work for, we do things like subscription sales uh, for a, a very large, one of the largest uh, newspapers in the country. Uh, we do their retentions uh, as well as uh, web chat digital. So it's a proper omni-channel campaign. Uh, we do uh, more customer service-based work for large sort of e-com e-commerce businesses. I'm sure you know them. They're, they're pretty much all household names. Uh, customer service for large food and beverage business as well. Um, and uh, we do a lot of digital for uh, very large telecoms uh, client too. So it really is very varied. And we've done so much in the past uh, for different brands, really. Yeah. So in terms of the, the phone stuff, what I, I mean, they are definitely all household names. I mean, you know, I know you're doing your very best not to, not to mention the brands <laughs> and, and well done you. I'm trying but, to but train myself. Sure, <laughs> but for sure they are all, you know, people will know, our listeners will know who they are and that's for sure. Mm. And what I'm really hearing and what I know is, is with the, the telephone stuff that you do, it's really, you've got the outbound and inbound sales, if you like. Yeah. And then you've also got the the customer service kind of side of things as well, where, again, you know, the team are trained to handle disgrunt disgruntled clients or, you know, happy clients as well. Yeah. You know, people that are happy. Sometimes. And <laughs> yeah, not so much, unfortunately. Well. And, and then you've got these outbound and inbound kind of... Um, roles as well and campaigns I think the the logical question and you kind of mentioned you did touch on digital there but I think the logical question for 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 you really for me is do you think how do you see the the phone being used in the future in terms of the contact center world mm. do you do you think that you know, will the digit will digital, you know, the bots and all of that side, do you think that will ever replace the phone? Or do you think there's still a role for a contact center to have telephone agents, if you like? What's your thoughts on that? 
So, I mean, there's the official uh, data, which is encouraging, I think, if you look at any of the studies, um, it looks as if digital has been added as a channel and increased overall, uh, overall volume, but phone has remained steady or increased slightly as well. Um, I think people revert to digital for much more simple transactions, but I think that there's always a place for phone where there's an emotional conversation to be had. Um, I think brands would do very well by offering channels to handle simple stuff so that it doesn't take a phone call, it doesn't take a huge amount of your time to get it sorted. And I think that's where bots and automation really have a place because really simple interactions are very easy to handle with a bot. Um, but as soon as there's any emotion involved there uh, or a tricky situation, uh, I think that phones are always going to play a role um, just in terms of reassuring customers. They sometimes just need to speak to another human about something, you know, and that I think, I think it would be a travesty really to lose phones as a channel because I do think that they play a role. I understand the cost to serve is higher on phone. Um, so you need to make sure your balance is right and all of those things that should be easy to handle through digital should be handled through digital. Um, but uh, phone is, I definitely believe, has a role to play um, in just speaking to people about serious things that they're really concerned about. Yeah, yeah, I think that's and that's what I hear from my other clients as well. I think I do still feel that the phone is here to stay. Yeah. Um, and I guess that the not just here to stay because of COVID and all of those sorts of things, but here to stay because it's it's proven that it's been a, a tool, certainly within the contact world, that has helped so many businesses to mm. scale, you know, that they can they can outsource that side of the business yeah. to, to amazing contact centers like yourselves. That's what I think is really interesting is that the opportunity for phone has increased over COVID because things that would be dealt with face-to-face -face are being pushed to phone. Mm. And I, I've got some really good examples of clients who used to run a lot of face-to-face -face work um, that they've shifted to working through our contact center. Um, and I think we sit on about 98% ROI for those campaigns. The amount that we're producing in terms of revenue is huge um, with a much smaller team that can just be much more efficient over the phone. Yeah, and I think that's, that's going to help many, many more businesses, I think, mm -hmm. going forward. We've touched on COVID because I suppose nowadays you can't have a conversation <laughs> Um, it seems without touching on COVID and and how did you cope with that? I mean, you were you yeah, I I, I saw that the content, you know, you've got over six hundred seats, right? As a company, you know, six hundred and fifty mm -hmm. plus seats or something. How did you kind of go from having all of those people where you built all of the infrastructure around those individuals coming to the off to an office or the contact center? sitting at a seat at a desk and with all of the IT and the telephony and everything. And then all of a sudden, everybody's or majority of people then start remote working. Mm. At the same time, you're still winning new clients <laughs> <laughs> because of COVID. Lots so, of grey hair. <laughs> yeah, a bit of grey hair. <laughs> you're then recruiting um, people for these new clients and 
those then become people that you're then onboarding into the contact center when you haven't even seen them, which is, mm. you know, if we'd have had this conversation <laughs> a year or uh, over a year and I said, look, Sarah, you know, I think that what you should do is, is you should bring people in. You don't need to interview them face to face. They don't need to work from the contact center. Mm. I think you would have probably thought that, you know, guys, you're I going laughed, you've laughed lost you out the room. Exactly. Get out. <laughs> So with all of that craziness, how did you, did you manage, you know, what did you do that helped you so that, you know, again, you know, other people that are running contact centers and they may be larger than yours, they may be smaller than yours. Mm. But if they're running a, a remote team or, you know, they have a remote team, what kind of, how did you do it? I mean, I'm still in <laughs> awe that you did do it, but how, how did you do that? Um. So, so I will say that I think COVID has has kind of created this sort of real like need for everyone to do a good job and look after each other. And I think, I don't know whether that will wane as time goes by, you know, it was a very scary time when we set up. So everyone was just trying to be as diligent as possible and help as much as possible. We're all just trying to support each other. Um, but I suppose that's really key. And I think you we recognize that you need to give everyone that level of support just because it's different and because it's it's some of the some of these people for example will never meet us ever um so they have to understand that we have their best interests at heart and we're here to look after them to help them develop to um ensure that they can they can get on with their work and get paid and make a salary but also that that, that there's someone that's there and has their back and is looking after them mental health is a massive thing that we although we have always been um, quite keen on ensuring we have sort of mental health first aiders within the business, for example. Um, we found that that's really important, making sure we're doing mental health check-ins um, and just checking in with people as much as possible, I think has helped, you know, and making sure they understand that you care and that you're looking after them. Um, they tend to work really hard for you if you do that. And, you know, it's it's there's a level of trust there that there was never before I mean obviously I would trust my guys to do an amazing job but sure. when they're sitting at home there's a bit of trust and a bit more give and take there you have to you're giving more and you're expecting more from them um, and that kind of is just an unwritten rule really in how you run it I, I couldn't say exactly what we've done but we figured it out <laughs> yeah yeah uh, I think the thing that's really you know when as an observer really I think that one of the things that really helped you was that you already built culture a yeah. great culture where it was one of people supporting each other there's there's I've never heard you know well that's not my role or that's not my job within within your contact center oh, when no. I've been there it's very much you know look we've got this challenge all hands to the pump um so to speak and that's that's probably I think that's one of the things as an outsider I can observe and I can imagine that that must have really helped you when you had to then deploy people and and have people working remotely. Yeah, I think I think the other thing as well is you touched on it there, and I suppose it aligns to the mental health and the culture. It's 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 really because you constantly check on your on your agents mm. in terms of not their, in a creepy way, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not in a creepy way, <laughs> in an ethical way, yeah, in an ethical way. But you know how how have you managed to do that? Just talk to us a little bit more about that. So you mentioned the the mental health first aiders, for example. Why why did you do that? Why did you have these 
these first aiders? What happened? Did you have situations or was you just preempting situations? Um, with mental health, I think it's been something that's kind of on the horizon for a lot of businesses. I think, you know, like the, the we've always, um, we always look after people, even if they are suffering in some way from stuff. We Before we became mental health first aiders, we would always try and work with people if they were struggling, for example, with bipolar or depression or, you know, work with them, give them the time they need to process stuff, make sure they're getting the right help. We've always done that as a business. So really it was just making an official sort of thing really and getting people trained uh, properly to signpost and, you know, in a proper sort of certified way. Um, but I think it, it does everyone at some point will suffer and I don't think that it should affect your prospects and work. I think, and that can be whether you have uh, mental health uh, concerns. It could be that, um, I mean, we've had quite a few people that have come through that have not had homes who we've helped, you know, and it yeah. means they might not be there as much as they can. Uh, it means that they might be a bit scruffy, you know, but you kind of work with them to get them, you know, get them into a home, get them into, you know, a routine. It's the same thing with anything that's kind of impeding their ability to move forward, really. I don't think it should. I think as a business, if we can give people the opportunity to work through that and come out the other side a better person and with better career prospects, I think that that's hugely rewarding and it's just a part of how we run our business. Yeah, well done to you. I mean, you do it amazingly, <laughs> as I said, and 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 I think that's your your kind of community spirit as well that you've built up. You know, the community. You know, you have people that live in the community, and people know of Interact mm. very often because of the work that you you've done. You know, and how you've got people literally, you know, some from from the street, and they become hugely successful mm. at. Um, you know through working at interact and they've gone on to to bigger and 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 different things i won't say better because you can't get better than interact but they've gone on to to different different challenges (laughs) yes but i know you know that so i always say to people like i I also um i don't mind if you if you want to tell me that this isn't the be all and end all for the rest of your career i'd rather you stay here let's work on your skills, develop as much as possible, and then tell me what is it you want to be doing in a year, two years, five years. You might want to do something completely different. That's absolutely fine. Um, but let's give you every all the skills you could need to do that that I'm possibly able to give you. Yeah, love that. Love that. And I, I suppose just to finish off then, <laughs> so let's come back to, to you, Sarah. So two questions, really, I think. Um, or could I say two, maybe three. So what lessons have you learned through your, your contact centre life? Um, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And I suppose the third one, which might lead, I suppose it kind of goes with the second one, really. You know, what are you passionate about? So those are the kind of, like those three things. How would you answer those just to put you on the spot? Why not? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so wait, start with the first one. Tell me yeah. what the first what one lessons, What lessons have you learned? Um. With contact centers, I've learned to be uh, more supportive of people. Um, I think when I started off in contact centers, it was never going to be my career. Um, and it was a bit of a churn and burn atmosphere at the time. It was that mm. sort of, if you can't perform, you're out type 
situation. Yeah. And that was just the way contact centers were back in the yeah. day. It's not a reflection on the way it was run, but um, I behaved that way myself. Uh, and I think as I've developed and uh, as I've, I suppose the one thing I've learned is the link between looking after people and supporting people and developing people uh, is it creates a successful business. Yeah. Um, so many things uh, drop, like your attrition is lower, um, productivity is better. All of these things improve if you look after the people. And where I think I used to maybe not think about it in that way, um, you know, now I that seems to be the easiest way of making sure your business is successful is just looking after the people who are technically your product, basically, yeah. if you want to make it sound really depressing. But that, that no, <laughs> and no, I don't see them as right. a product. They, they are, aren't they? They're yeah, your asset. Exactly. They're either your, you know, as I always say, they're either your asset or your liability. Depending. Exactly. And very often for you, exactly. I think they're your asset because of that, because you invest in them. You know, yeah. I know from experience that you invest huge, huge amount of money in the training and development of your of your agents. And definitely, you know, your team leaders, your managers have a huge amount of, of kind of investment in terms of their development as leaders, really. Yeah. So so that really sits. I, again, I see that and it's it's great to see. <laughs> So what gets you out of bed in the morning nowadays then? What kind of motivates you? What, what, what's left for you now to achieve, do you think? <laughs> I, I do want to go interact. I, I suppose having had experience of dealing with lots of different contact centers over the years um, in order to ensure that people are being looked after, you know, the more interact grows, the more people we can look after and the more opportunity we can give to people. And I do think that that's a really exciting thing. Um, the risk in growth is that you lose some of that. Uh, and that's the challenge for me now is, you know, let's ensure that that culture, uh, the culture sticks as the business grows. Um, I think as well, it's just seeing all the people that I work with and I just enjoy working with them all and they're all great people. And um, I just want to make sure that their jobs are safe and they can, can carry on you know? so yeah, yeah, I think yeah. right now as well as you know so many people are unemployed and I just want to make sure I look after the guys I've got and try and create opportunity for other people as well wow that's amazing <laughs> Sarah I can't believe the time has flown by as always <laughs> whenever we get chatting the time goes so quickly so I just want to thank you so much for for giving us your time today really to to have this conversation my pleasure see what what you've achieved is quite incredible and I hope that people listening to this episode really benefit from some of the lessons really that that you've learned and you shared really some of the passion and the enthusiasm that <laughs> that you were shared with us and thank you very very much Sarah it's my absolute always pleasure good. thank you very <laughs> much so I hope you enjoyed listening to Sarah's wise words and I hope a lot of what she said struck a chord with you. So if you run a busy contact centre or a team of sales or customer service agents, then please get in touch and I'm sure I may be able to help you the same way as I've helped Sarah and her company.